Before we started the episode, I wanted to congratulate my mom. She started her own private practice. I'm so thankful for this new opportunity and all the support that I've been given by family and friends and want to welcome anyone in the Columbus area who is looking for some healing and growth in their journey. Uh, You can go to my website is jhrcounseling.com and I would love to connect with you. Yeah, and you know it's good stuff. Um, the artwork was done by Emma Richards and Alexander Wells, and I helped with the website. So it looks great. So if you're in the Columbus area, definitely check out our website. Um, reach out. if Even if you reach out to the Community Roots Pod email, then we'll contact you then too. Now on with the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And today we're off the beaten path with a very special guest, uh, my friend Kristen Hewitt. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Kristen flew all the way from Portland, Oregon, specifically for this conversation. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's that's true. Oh, really? Awesome. Whoa. Well, welcome. Yeah, all our viewers, you just got a really special treat. We've actually been talking pretty much for the past hour all about this topic today, so I'm really excited. Um, but Kristen, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and where you were and where you are? Uh, well, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a kid, about 10 or 11. Um, never really given much information past a diagnosis and medication um, and struggled through high school, um, didn't go to college right away, and in my mid-20s started to see a pattern of um, things that weren't working and things that weren't helping me be successful. And that pattern uh, pushed me to say, like, okay, I finally have to take ownership of this and figure out what's going on and figure out a way to be successful because I was starting a lot of stuff and not finishing Mm. anything. Um, And so that was about um, five years ago um, and found some alternative perspectives and spent a lot of time thinking about um, how to to live a more balanced and successful life with this brain type um, and have been kind of involved in that community uh, for about four years now. That's awesome. It's really cool actually to be in this room with you, Kristen, because a couple of years ago, my mom and I came to one of your talks. And uh, loved it. Yeah, I right. took so many notes and I learned so much. I, that's, I'm so excited to have you on Off the Beaten Path today. And that's something we share as well in terms of that ADHD. We've both been diagnosed with ADHD and you have such unique insights on this. How would you describe some different aspects of ADHD that might be um, commonalities that people that can relate to that type of thinking that they might have in common? One thing that probably a lot of folks can relate to is uh, thinking holistically or thinking circularly or 
kind of having thoughts all over the place. Um, one person recently described it to me as feeling like their patterns of thought was like uh, a bingo ball, uh, that, that little machine that turns the bingo balls for that game. Um, and that a lot of times the diagnosis is really focused around a deficit in attention and it's not mm. thinking about kind of the other components that are uh, very much a staple of living with this kind of brain. Um, but circular thinking is one of those and it kind of has some real consequences to kind of how we maneuver through life and how we accomplish a task or don't accomplish a task. So that's a symptom that probably almost everyone can uh, identify with. I definitely think whenever, at least in my history, whenever ADHD is brought up, it's almost brought up in a negative light, one that's about a kid who can't sit still in the middle of class and Mm -hmm. the teacher just wants to get the class under control, but this one troublemaker won't just sit still. And what I really like about both your perspective and a mutual friend, Rob Eldridge perspective, is one of looking at it in a positive light and one that's looking at more in a way of this is useful to society. And I also think that circular thinking works really well into that, how it can be that bingo ball and you're that one, like what thought will come out because there's so many thoughts jumbling through your mind. But at the same time, like we have such a unique ability to pull from all those bingo balls. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like, so, so circular thinking or kind of like starting the dishes and in the middle of that going in, you know, going to the laundry and then you're hopping over to do something else like that can be kind of a day-to-day problem or it can be a problem in school um but i think one of the strengths of this that we're probably not tapping into enough um is solving problems um solving problems from a holistic perspective and kind of covering as many variables uh at once could be a really powerful way to solve problems that i don't think circles always get the a uh, chance to do. Um, I did just use the word circle, so I don't know. Kind of a normal thing for me to do, so I don't know if uh, yeah, go that ahead. Is kind of confusing to people, mean? but yeah. um, so I don't identify with the term ADHD. I still use that term, and I think that if that if it works for the person to identify as that, um, then they should. Um, but uh, I don't. I feel like I've learned how to leverage a different style of focusing and I just don't want to identify as something negative if if it's not really going to be a service to how I think about myself. One of the things I was so fascinated by whenever Samuel invited me to your presentation a couple years ago was just how deep and meaningful your explanations were about ADHD and that's one of the things I just wanted to validate too. And what you've shared so far is just the nature of how dynamic and the um, ability to have complexity and layers to things. And so I thought it'd be great today if you could just kind of outline for us some of your reflections that you've had on and insights on ADHD that I think are just phenomenal. Um, well, I, um, I'll start by saying that a lot of that comes from what I was doing and what a lot of our a lot, what a lot of us are doing isn't working and I wanted an alternative perspective um, because I I had said this to 
my therapist at the time, I was just like, I feel like my intelligence is trapped behind my ADHD Mm -hmm. and I feel all this potential and I want to be successful. And I like, why is it not happening? And I didn't have the answers to that at the time. And so, um, I just decided to be open to something else. Um, and wasn't going to stop searching until I found something that actually worked. Because mm. people will always tell you to try harder and all of those things that many people will be able to relate to. Um, but it's like, okay, well, try harder at what? Like, like give me something to do. Um, so um, over the past four or five years, um, I have kind of come to have a little bit of a different understanding than what I was initially told. Um, and I think having a deficit in attention, or I'd rather call it a difference in attention, is just one component of a much larger thing that's going on with a lot of us. Um, and I think that the perspective I have now kind of boils down to a couple of different things. Being sensitive to stimuli. Um, so like if you ask like, okay, well, if we're distracted, what are we distracted by? It's Mm. stimuli in our environment. Um, so the dog barking or, you know, the squirrel and kind of those typical, you know, things that people say about this brain type. Um, but, but it's like, okay, well, let's talk about what that is actually going on there. One of the ways I loved that you explained that hypersensitivity to stimuli was all this download coming in. That just makes so much sense, especially when we think of like sensory overload. There's just so many things that all those layers of complexity are all coming in at once. It's crazy as somebody with ADHD to being able to recognize those stimuli. Sometimes it's that light post that's on the street that's brighter than all the others and even though you're in the coffee shop you can still see that one light that's just bothering you something that's been big for me just in my experience is for some reason I'll get so anxious and unable to focus in class and I'm sitting on my wallet and I realize it's because I'm uncomfortable and my body is just like hey there's something going on I'm not feeling great and I'm just like why can't I force myself to focus But I really do also like that perspective of we have so much download going on Mm -hmm. that, of course, it's hard to pay attention to the teacher that's repeating the same thing for the five times in a row. So two things. I love that example. I am really sensitive to light. Um, And over the past few years, as my friends know that, um, People will even like, oh, is this lighting okay for you? Which is like such a wonderful thing Mm -hmm. that like we're starting to have these conversations and people are sensitive to that. Um, But I'm always changing the lighting in my environment. Just that idea of having so many different variables that you have to consider and take into mind. And I think that even speaks to to the dynamic piece of things, the complexity of things, the intelligence of someone who is wired in a way that we've labeled as ADHD can really handle so much capacity. It's just trying to figure out how to organize it or which thing to pay attention to first mm-hmm. when everything's trying to kind of push through that door at the same time. How do I sort all that out it kind of feels tangled I think for some people at times yeah I mean having such a large download like it's just it's so overwhelming and it's all the time and I think that the 
what people don't understand because of this invisible aspect of, of all of this is that like we're struggling to deal with this, you know, sitting on your wallet or being distracted in class, like, and other people, teachers or whoever aren't, don't understand that. I think one of the things that would be helpful for folks to understand is that concept of intruding thoughts of just how all these stimuli are coming in, all of that circular thinking happens, and it can be hard to sort things out. It can be hard to find your footing or your foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the having all of this download um, and having thoughts kind of fly in and fly out, it can be hard to keep a hold of them. And, um, and so I like that I have a word for it, Um, And with my partner or with my close friends, I can just say, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, can you please repeat that? Um, I just had an intruding thought, and I'm listening to you, and I want to hear what you say, but please uh, just repeat it. And I love being able just to be completely honest about that experience. Like, I don't have to hide that with the people who have this language and know me in this way. Um, I don't do that at work, Um, you know, hopefully someday. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like nice to have that language. That's a great support that you're giving to your relationship so that people can more understand what your needs are and how you're perceiving, how you're experiencing something so that they can be a support and feel more connected to you, that there's more of a bridge instead of, uh, them trying to sort that out or understand without the language, Mm -hmm. without you kind of guiding the process. Something we talk about in communication a lot that I really like is others, the other perspective. And whenever accidents and mistakes happen, often we perceive them as like a direct attack on us or a something inherent to the other person. Like if somebody cuts you off on the highway, you're thinking about how they're just a jerk. <laughs> and so to even be explicit and to say hey, I'm having these intruding thoughts. I really want to pay attention to you, but I just had these things. Can you just repeat what you're saying? Is a way that you can also remind the other person of the other perspective of, hey, we're on the same team. I want to hear what you're communicating. I'm just having a little bit of trouble right now. And I think that's a really good thing. And part of this podcast is about building a more knowledgeable community. We talk about educate and organize, but building a more knowledgeable community. So if somebody's feeling anxious or in an anxiety attack, they can tell somebody and be like, I'm feeling really anxious and overwhelmed. And instead of the other person being offended. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, um, part of all of this. Um, we have a particular box of what our social behavior is or should be. And because this is invisible, um, right now people don't understand that there's kind of some other things that should be in this kind of social box. And so we get misunderstood. And I think like it's kind of time to open up this kind of experience of human behavior um, and have some of these other words and things to talk about this stuff so that people don't, because what happens is we get misunderstood as like rude or, or uninterested or like, you know different things like that and like that's just not true at all it's a it's really a different experience going on and if the other person understood that um it really would make a huge difference because i've lost friends 
mm. because of this stuff um, because they didn't understand and there wasn't a shared language yet to talk about it. What are some more of those um, shared language phrases and words and things that you have helped to educate your friends and people in your in your circle? <laughs> Is that okay to use that <laughs> circle word in yeah. that way? Like, um, what are some things that have been helpful? Um, I mean, this is kind of, uh, maybe a little bit more of a common one, but like, but I don't know if people necessarily use it, but just saying like, like one time I got home and I was super overstimulated and my roommates just like kicked it into high gear. It's one of my favorite memories. They cleaned up the kitchen. Everybody was out of all the common spaces and the house was silent within like 10 minutes because like I just was so on edge. Yeah. And so it just like was such a beautiful moment of support. Um, but just being able to say like, I'm overstimulated right now. I, I just need to not, can we just not talk for a few minutes or whatever? Just being able to express that need. Um, danger zone is another term uh, that I will use. Um, so if you start playing around with hyperfocus and like try and use that and leverage that type of focus to your advantage, one thing that happens in hyperfocus is that you forget to go to the bathroom, care about hygiene or sleep. Or and before I really kind of hydrate. understood, yeah. I would just get so hungry and so tired that it was just in a bad place. And um, and so we started calling it the danger zone. And so <laughs> it was just just like, OK, right now, survival takes over and and like I need to eat. I need to take a nap and like then we'll get back to other things. But like if I tell my partner I'm in the danger zone, they know that like that's what got to get back to right self-care. Now. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. Me and my partner call it hangry or grumbly. Those are the two. Like, if I'm grumbly, it's like, it doesn't matter how nice you're being right now. I just, I need to get some essentials because I'm going to be grumpy no matter what. Yeah, and it is totally along those lines. Right. I think the, like, a lot of, like, every, all of us have have experienced that. It's just that, like, danger zone just kind of indicates that this happened because... I was specifically having a neurodiverse moment. Right. Kind of thing. Right. One of the things you had talked about was being really intentional about language and just to not allow um, the language that's used to be part of your identity when it's something that's negative. Can you talk, talk a little bit about the stigma of ADHD and how you focus specifically on things that are more life-giving? Um, well, I guess with the term specifically, um, a deficit in attention, I think that I've learned to use hyperfocus to my advantage. Um, and so I don't really want to focus on um, using a term that doesn't really represent the experience that I'm having now after having worked on this for a while. Um, and I don't, I think that when people started to identify this brain type as a thing, because it's definitely a thing, whether you call it ADHD or not, um, it's definitely an experience um, that millions of people are having. Um, it was pathologized and seen as a, a negative, as opposed to kind of understanding the more holistic experience that people were having. Um, and I don't, I don't really think that there's a need for that to be the case. Um, I don't want to have a negative identity about myself if I don't have to. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of 
because we've pathologized it and seen it as a negative for so long and taught people to do that, we've completely overlooked the strengths of this brain type. Um, and I think that there are ways to kind of think about it and um, use it to our advantage. It doesn't have to be only something that is negative. Right. Um, talk a little bit about the concept of community. Um, so for about four or five years now, I've been involved with peer support groups, um, two different ones, one in Columbus, Ohio, and one in Portland uh, now. And just the simple fact of being in a room with 10 or 20 other people who think like I do, like, is just revolutionized hmm. my life and my, just myself and um, how I see myself and what I've been able to learn from my peers. The topic is still really taboo and people don't like to, you know, admit it or, or out themselves in that way. Um, but having connection with other people and having support and relationships is the most important thing in life. Um, and we're taught to hide a really, really big part of ourselves. Mm. Um, and it's not okay. And I don't want to live like that. And it, it feeds into socially constructed depression and anxiety that really right. doesn't need to be there. Um, and so kind of coming together in these spaces where it's a safe space and everyone can relate with you and you can talk about your experiences or you can talk about something that happened that week that was tough and get advice on, you know, from somebody else who maybe had found a way to deal with it well, um, has just, that alone has changed my life drastically. And it, it just is kind of the one place where I feel like I can be myself. And you can really relax and feel safe and mm -hmm. feel like people get you. Mm -hmm. and yeah. There's understanding. Yeah. And it, and you know, if people listen to this and they want that and maybe it's not in their area, it doesn't have to be run by anyone but you. Um, mm -hmm. Just getting together with people, you know, and having a meetup and getting together for coffee can just be a support in and of itself. That's awesome. We talk a lot about that on Community Roots and really why we made that part of our name to be community, that we need each other. We need to be able to reach out. We need safe spaces. So that's I also awesome. think getting those affirmations, sometimes whenever you have all these... We've talked a lot about intrusive thoughts and overstimulus. If you can't focus, if you can't study because somebody next to you is like chewing chips loudly and you can't, you, you just can't study and your friends are like, why can't you just sit there and study with the rest of us? It's helpful, I think, to be around people that are similar and who understand who you can say, I'm not crazy. A lot of people deal with this and not only do people deal with it, like we're in a society that wants us to be closer to robots. So if you can't be a robot, then it's difficult. So to have those affirmations of a group, I think is really important. And I myself haven't found, I don't go to a weekly ADHD support group, but I found that support group kind of unofficially through my friends, being able to talk with some of my friends who have been diagnosed with ADHD and discuss this sort of thing has been really helpful to both affirm my own experience, but to also have new insights, even like this conversation right now, being able to learn things about ADHD that I didn't even know 
were a thing, even though I'm living it. (laughs) I love that we can change the trajectory, too, of what could be a lifetime of anxiety and depression or self-doubt. We talked about that, of what's wrong with me that I'm not fitting into this mold. And instead being able to develop more confidence and more voice, more self-awareness so that we can ask for what we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, being able to understand ourselves and just express our needs to someone else and then have those needs validated and met is such a crucial part of the human experience. And most of us go a l- for a long time in our lives not having that. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I grew up without without having my needs met or being understood in that way. And like, I'm just now starting to have that for the first time in my life at 34. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... Like, I can't even imagine growing up without that experience. Like, it must be amazing <laughs> to be understood your whole life. Yeah. And to, to be able to have a different kind of experience where you don't have to feel so hopeless or so um, kind of downtrodden about your own sense of who yourself is. Yeah. I mean, we, we just don't, we don't fit in quite into the education system or we're we're not uh totally understood at home or we don't we haven't been taught how to unleash our strengths or how to manage this kind of brain and so like we just so many folks and even ourselves are really focusing on our weaknesses and not our strengths and um that just needs to be kind of part of the conversation and like focusing on these strengths and how to unleash them is hopefully what these kinds of conversations can bring on that topic i would like to cover circular thinking a little bit more go into depth and circular thinking um both in terms of being able to define it but also to be able to talk about how it can be an extreme strength for somebody with adhd so i was wondering maybe if you could tell us what is how do you talk about circular thinking and then Um, One example I think you kind of touched on earlier was um, connecting dots and like new ideas and innovations come from connecting dots um, and seeing how things that don't normally fit together go together. Um, And I mean, one example I can think of off the top of my head and I'm in design and so um, like retail has started to kind of go by the wayside because of online shopping. Um, And so people have started to kind of put different things together that maybe don't normally go together. So like a shoe store and a coffee shop. And so like, Hmm. they just like, I think there's dots like that, that circles connect and they can make it work when maybe other people can't see that potential. Um, And potential is another thing too. Like we're big picture thinkers. Um, And so we see all of these dots. We have this big vision Thinking um, outside the box. Thinking outside the box. <laughs> yeah. um, and and we can see the potential for things, too. And we believe in these things' potentials. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was nobody in society who believed in the potential of something new, that would be terrible. Sure. Um, and so kind of having, like, that strength. Mm-hmm. But one thing that a lot of circular thinkers struggle with is, how do I get to the big vision? Like we don't know how, how do we to get, get it there. to follow through mm. and see it the come steps. to fruition. Like right. we've got the big picture, mm-hmm. but we need the folks in our lives who are linear thinkers, or we need to learn the process ourselves. But like that's a specific thing that we need to learn in order to accomplish a big vision. And but we're not being intentional with skills like that. 
um, because we, we struggle with that, that beginning part. Um, you, you talked a little bit about how people see symptoms first and then there's this frustration that builds up and then we don't get to see the positive stuff. And as we were kind of processing that through earlier, you talked about um, can we do the things that someone's asking us to and should we be expected to? And your response to that was absolutely, but we need to be taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think like um, we, so I think the word ownership is really important. Um, if you ask a room of circular thinkers, if they've ever done something, if they've ever finished something, they will all say yes. Because when we find something that we're obsessed with, that we want to do, we do it and we do it really well. Um, and so like learning that, that they do have focus when I take ownership of something was like crucial and learning that, so like it's, we are intrinsically motivated purpose and internal meaning is extremely important to us we do not care about the status quo and so like knowing that that's kind of part of who you are helps you make better decisions um, about what you might want to do with your life or why you're struggling to do this thing because you might just not care and yes you're gonna have to maybe use some strategies to do it anyways because keeping a clean bathroom is really important um, but um, kind of knowing that it starts there. Um, I don't know. Is that, I think that's, that ties into a question we had from one of our listeners. Um, as a parent, how do you support in a way that you're not taking over for your adolescent, say for example, and also not setting them up for failure either? So how do you find that balance of support where they can have their own internal motivation and be matched with maybe the skills that they're needing to discover so that there's a balance of support. So they're set up more for something of success. Yeah, I mean, part of it, so I'll derail the answer a little bit, is like, so I've gone to some support groups for high schoolers and parents, and it was really interesting to see and and be a part of that um, discussion. And I think that what is hard... for people to kind of move out of like paradigm wise is that like, so intrinsic motivation and, and doing something because it's in your heart and soul to do is so important for us, but that's not how our education system is set up. Mm. And so people like there's this structure that's really pushing against that. Um, and so it's hard to give high schoolers maybe room to explore all of those things or do what's best for them because maybe society doesn't say that that's a good option or something. Um, but it really, really is super important that like the, the high schooler or, or the, whoever the, whoever the circular thinker is that they're doing something cause they want to, it's part mm-hmm. of their internal desire. Like that's the most important place to start and then, I mean, in terms of supporting them and that balance that you're talking about, um, I mean, it's it comes down to kind of having the awareness of what these struggles are. Like, why is this person not doing X, Y, and Z? Are they overwhelmed? Like, what's going on? Kind of asking those exploratory questions and not just 
getting frustrated right off the bat. Yeah, that makes open to a that makes a experience. lot of sense to be able to problem solve together, mm-hmm. and maybe to help that adolescent to be able to grow in their self awareness of what do you need right now, mm-hmm. and probably some skill development on the part of the parent to be more patient, mm-hmm. to be able to say let go of the status quo. Mm-hmm. Let go of the expectation that it has to look a certain way and allow for some of that that journey and process and wrestling and trial and error and learning um, and providing a safe space for that to happen. Yeah, and I think perv- being open to things looking a different way and trial and error are, you couldn't can't say it better than that. Um, these strategies of like how I remember to take what I need with me throughout my day or whatever, those are going to be individual. Like everyone's going to have to come up with their own. And so like exploring and, and having this trial and error is how I figured out a lot of what works for me. And so like your son or daughter is going to have to do that too. And if there's tension throughout that process, that's going to be really tough. Sure. It really is personal that you have to explore and have that safe, connected relationship where you are supported in doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think expectations are huge. Being able to like realize that those have to maybe change and that may not be like, I think sometimes parents kind of get into a box with that stuff. Um, But like that is part of what needs to happen sometimes um like we aren't linear thinkers we are really having a different experience and so it makes sense that expectations would be different um and help me to understand what it's like for you in your shoes mm-hmm. like that willingness that openness to hear a different mm-hmm. experience yeah and i and i think like growing pains too like one specific example this mom the the son was having a hard time getting places on time and um she was just really stressed out about this but like it is gonna take a circular thinker some time to learn how to get places on time like that's an okay growing pain to have to work through and if that child is getting um is having parents who get frustrated with him throughout that process that is going to just deteriorate the relationship and affect the child negatively. Sure. And so like, but the fact remains is that a circular thinker is going to struggle with being on time and like, there's going to be variables that they're going to have to work through in order for that to be something that they can do. I can do it now. I've worked through it. Um, but it is part of the growing pain and like, it's not going to just change over night there's a lot of things that kind of go into that i think as well whenever you have whenever you're in the school system we talked about earlier like the school system wants you to think linearly do things that you don't want to do there are deadlines time limits all that sort of thing that none of which really work well with adhd and what i felt even as a student was that even if home is an accepting place school is a place that's going to be pushing another concept on them so uh, when we when mom talked about patience earlier I think that's really relevant as well because even if you're providing a home that's open and stable and you're like how how can we work collaboratively to get you to work on time or something like that 
that at school, it's not about that. It's about sitting in your chair, shutting up until the end of the period, and then um, all that stuff. So you kind of have this conflicting nature and then throw in like the fact that you're growing up and in your teenage years, that's got to add to the stress. Your whole brain is being rewired and ah. restructured and hormones and neurotransmitters and all but that But really, stuff. like, we were talking about off-air, a lot of people, or maybe on-air, a lot of people's response is just, like, just work harder at it. Like, just put more time into it. Just keep doing it. And it's such a struggle to figure out with all this stimuli and all these ideas and concepts, you're like, what? What do I do? Do I just stare I angrily at my computer until the words just, I just become the perfect school student? And it doesn't work like that. So I wanted to offer that perspective as well. Like even whenever you create these safe spaces with your kids at school, they're getting a different message, sure. at least in my experience. Sure. Another perspective I wondered if we could touch on for just a moment is for spouses. Um, whenever they're experiencing confusion, trying to interpret their spouse's behavior and figure out what is ADHD and what is just being either unhelpful or irresponsible. Oh, that's so messy. It is so messy. <laughs> that's a really messy uh, thing to un unwind and like it really is an exploratory process of like, you know, sitting down with two people and figuring out what's going on there. I mean, it's a little bit the same as, as dealing with like the parent child in terms of being open to different expectations, being open to exploring and figuring out trial and error, what works, um, using some of the, like the words and language that we've talked about already, um, to talk about the experience, um, and like, uh, I mean, I talked to one wife and husband one time and like, I don't care about food. I don't, food is like superfluous to me. I don't like to mess with it. It's like a big project I have to do three times a day and I'd rather just work on my obsessions. Um, but just like hearing this wife was like, oh my God, I love to cook and my husband doesn't appreciate it. Um, and so hearing me say that I like, cause her like hearing that her husband and I felt the same way about food, she was like, oh like, I don't have to take this personally. This is just part of sure. someone else's brain thinking differently. Um, so kind of being open to those differences. Um, I don't know what, what's kind of more specific of a question on that or like, I, think, I don't know. I think you answered it. Yeah, I think that was a great kind of summary of what we've been talking about today. And also just the need to kind of drop the stigma, drop the negativity, like let's get away from that and find what are other ways that we can work together, understand each other, listen better, be available to each other, be a support, find out what these needs are that we have, that we all have, and how we can navigate that in our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I wanted to talk just a little bit about that question with the husband and with the school kid as well that might be kind of an add-on, but I think that the idea of games is really important to my own learning process. Like, I think that I can hyper-focus on games really easily. And I also know, Mom, you can give me the specifics, but it takes less neurons to connect mm. for you to understand a game than it does. You'll a new learn idea. it significantly faster. Whenever your brain is in that um, 
light laughter fun all of that you need it repeated just a couple times and if it's not in that if it's more in that fear response or the intensity of stress then it takes thousands upon thousands of more right. times to actually get it so even though it's things, the same exact problem right with the same exact situation i think in a place of how do i deal with my husband or like it can be stressful situations and I like the idea of collaborating to say if your husband never like we talked about cleaning the bathroom being something difficult for somebody who's a circle to do and one working together. So you're both there together and working on the same thing, but also the idea of a game, like just something that's laughter, like how can we get this in a way that we use the least amount of chemicals is normally how Connie and I uh, do it at home. But in some way that, or you do this and I'll do this and let's see who can get done faster is just... The sense of being together as a team. Right. That together we are working through this. It's not me against you. It's us together against what we are are working towards, maybe is a better way to say it, what we're hoping to accomplish. And I think being able to switch between those perspectives, I think that's another thing that circle-minded people do really well is be able to flip what perspective they're seeing things. Um is really effective and helpful because instead of from an ADHD mind, somebody who's like, oh, I have to do this. How can I force myself to just go through the motions of cleaning this toilet to like, okay, yeah, I'll race you. That sounds fun. (laughs) Um, And it's so small that has really impacted how my life is run, even with school. I just wanted to share that perspective as well. in you of like this becomes more motivating for you it is crazy Mm -hmm. it is crazy even to just train myself whenever i'm sitting down to a piece of paper to write a five-page paper i feel the angst and anxiety and then i just remind myself like oh this is just a game let's fill in the blanks here fill in after i fill in the blanks then my paper is basically done yeah and those those strategies or approaches um everyone's going to have what works for them. And Mm -hmm. like, that's one thing that I think kind of comes out in these peer support groups and you get all of these different perspectives and then you start to kind of come up with your own strategies faster. Um, and so like my, my thing is like, so, uh, the way that I like do the paper or the things that I don't want to do, like cleaning the toilet, um, there's things that I really want to do. So I have a deal with myself. And so like, <laughs> if I want to work on the things that I'm obsessed with and my passions, then I have to do laundry and I have to make sure the bathroom's clean. And like, so that's kind of my like game with myself, which that's is so like, cool. I'm going to do a little bit of like that hashtag adulting, like minimal, <laughs> but keep it moving, keep things going, make sure I shower and tr- and then leave as much time as I can for all of my other stuff. Yeah, that seems like a good idea as well. If you're surrounded by ADHD people in your life, go find other ADHD people to say, how does it all work? I think it's also important that we just acknowledge the impact of ADHD on marriages, that it actually increases the likelihood of divorce. And that, I believe, can be prevented if we can apply some of the things that you've been talking about today. Mm-hmm. If we could learn to be more understanding and open and hear each other and stick with the positive. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really difficult whenever what the person that's maybe the spouse is experiencing, like there's no follow through, you know, you're being lazy or you're and they kind of get stuck in that negativity bias. Mm-hmm. 
and instead we need to change that trajectory yeah and i i think it's really important like i think vulnerability is super important to me um and i am also divorced and that there was a lot of issues but that definitely played into uh, my relationship and my ex-partner didn't didn't believe um some of the things that i was saying Mm -hmm. and and like so i guess it's just kind of like a we're saying this is an experience it's real it's happening and like just even just for your partner maybe if it's somebody who's never encountered this issue before just for them to kind of validate and say okay i believe this let's learn about it together is just like a huge first step thank you for sharing that that's really i think important and life-changing for the for our listeners who are impacted in the same way it's tough. There's a lot of a lot of tough stuff to deal with um, that can be really painful, and another reason why the peer support groups can be so valuable. So we are definitely going to be having Kristen back on the show. We were talking about like an, a circle correspondent or something like that. But um, thanks so much for being here. We're kind of running at the end of our time. Um, if you have any questions like this, if you're experiencing ADHD or have ADHD in your home, please reach out to us. Um, you can email us at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. And that comes directly to our phones. <laughs> so we'll be able to <laughs> We're getting those messages throughout the day. <laughs> right, exactly. And um, also check out Facebook and Instagram. I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, that's how a lot of our updates come out and where some of our um, fun insights, um, additions to the day that mom um, posts on Facebook occasionally. So definitely check us out on Facebook and Instagram as well. And if you take the time to rate and review us on iTunes, that will help us to become more um, accessible to more people. We just recently this week found out that we are ranked. Ranked And so we are super excited about being a mental health podcast. Um, But if you would take the time to share us uh, with others, that would help more people to be encouraged. And that's really why we're doing what we do. Right. So, um, Kristen, every episode we like to end with some gratitudes, some things that we're grateful for. So, um, well, I'm so grateful that you're here. Seriously. Um, your insights on ADHD totally changed how I viewed my own ADHD. And so it's really cool to have you come back here and talk because seriously, I don't know where I'd be with my old mindset of, anger and frustration at my own ADHD instead of a celebration and a focus on the positive. I'm a circle and I'm proud. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's awesome. And thank you. Um, and do I, do I get to say something I'm grateful for? Definitely. Um, We want to hear it. I am super grateful for all of the circular thinkers in the world. Um, and like without that community, I wouldn't be able to like, have that sharing and that uh those relationships and so like i just i love this community so much and i if you're struggling and like feel alone like there's just so many of us out there and you know see if there's a support group in your area or start it um and if you need help then just contact me because i'll talk to you about it but i'm grateful for everybody out there and like hope that everybody can you know the community and the movement can grow 
Absolutely. And my gratitude is the same as Samuel's. He stole, <laughs> he stole mine as far as what a joy, Kristen, it has been to be with you. And I am so thankful just for your journey and your insights and your encouragement and support that you are giving to all of our listeners and to us as well. It's been just a real treat. Well, thanks. Thanks for happy, having me. Yay. Okay. Well, we will see you next week with our regular Community Roots, CR11. Yeah, and all, all of these uh, new episodes coming out of this, um, this one and all future ones are just hits because we're ranked now. And so everything will come out. Okay, well, I will see you next week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Bye.